Uh, we've been going through this series. We're in week three of a series called Just Wondering. And the whole idea of this series is to just help you grasp some of the biblical truths that often get overlooked. I mean, how many of us have, have been in a situation before where someone comes to us and they know we're a Christian, they know we go to church, and so they come up and they go, I was just wondering. And they ask us a religious question, a question related to our faith. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but all too often I end up sitting there and I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and I'm stuttering and I'm searching just for something to say that won't make me look like an idiot. All right. Anyone, anyone ever been in a situation like that before where you're just like, Lord, please don't let me look like an idiot. Thank you. Those of you who are honest and raised your hands, the rest of you can repent later. Okay. But, uh, that's part of this series is to help you give you some of those answers and, and give you just a, a deeper insight into God's word and some of the basic truths of Christianity. And not only that, but as we learn and as we go deeper and as we get some of these answers, we hope that it deepens your relationship with God. Because just like getting to know a friend and, and learning more about them and going deeper into their lives, when you begin to dig deeper into God and who he is and what he has for your life, you can't help but grow closer to him. So today we're going to take a look at a person in, in scripture and in Christianity who I believe is probably the most misunderstood, the most overlooked, the, uh, the most mysterious person in, in our faith. It plays such a vital role, but so often gets overlooked. And we're going to take a look at the Holy Spirit. Now listen, we could, books have been written, entire sermon series have been preached on the Holy Spirit. And I get 30 minutes, all right? So we're, we're going to cover a lot of ground. And I boiled it down to help you get as much as you can. We're going to look at who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how we should respond to that. So first, let's look at who the Holy Spirit is. The first thing I want you to get about who the Holy Spirit is, is that the Holy Spirit is God. All right, get that. Understand that the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have questions about the Trinity, don't ask me, okay? I don't get it either. It's this amazing idea that they're all three equal, yet separate, yet together. And it's this amazing, just divine mystery that I don't believe as humans will ever be able to understand, all right? So, Hang on to your questions about the Trinity, and when you get to heaven, you can ask God. He'll explain it all for you. Perfect answer, I'm telling you. But, but we know that the Holy Spirit is the third part of this amazing divine conglomerate, and, and he has all the same powers as God, and he's completely, totally equal. You see, God the Father created us, and, and he loves us and cares for us so deeply, and he wants this relationship with us, and he's laid out this plan for our lives, and, and then we mess it up by the sin in our lives. So we had to send God the Son, Jesus, to come and to die for us and to provide this redemption. And then after Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit empowers us and guides us and leads us to live the Christian life that God has called us to live. And so as a part of the Trinity being completely and totally God, the Holy Spirit shares all the same characteristics and qualities that God has. The Holy Spirit is all present. He's everywhere all the time. Psalm 139, 7 and 8. Where shall I go from your spirit, David writes, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. David says, no matter where you go, no matter how far you run, the Holy Spirit is there. He is seeking you. He is following after you. Just like God, he is all present. 
Not only that, he is all knowing. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He's the one who reveals truth to us. We'll talk about later. And he's the one who opens our eyes to what God has for us. He is all knowing. He knows everything. He knows what God wants for our life. He knows where God is leading us. He knows the perfect decisions to make. Not only is he all knowing, but he's all powerful. Job 33, four. Job writes in the midst of just great personal tragedy and persecution. The spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. What greater demonstration of power could there be than the ability to give life, to create? And Joe Brighton says, this is the power of the Holy Spirit, that he can give life. We read in Genesis how it says that God took the dust and he breathed into it. He gave it his spirit and Adam was created, mankind. The Holy Spirit is God all-knowing, all-powerful, always present. I was watching TV the other day. I should say the other night, because it was late at night. And you know how, how when you get late at night, there's just, there's not much on anymore. All right, I had 672 channels and it boiled down to, I could watch some infomercial about this new blender, food processor, juicer, all-in-one amazing kitchen appliance, or this show called Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunter. I don't even remember exactly what it was called on the Sci-Fi Channel. So after carefully weighing my options, I chose the Sci-Fi Channel and Ghost Adventures, all right? Because it almost looked kind of cool. Because what these guys do is they bring in all this scientific equipment, all these cool cameras, infrared cameras and microphones, and they go into haunted houses and they try to prove that they're haunted. And they try to call up the ghosts and everything. And I'm like, eh, why not? Maybe it'll be interesting. I don't know. So I'm watching and, and they're in this pretty modern house and they're telling the story of how the dad just went crazy and, and just killed the whole family. You know, every good ghost story has to have some kind of murder story or something behind it. But so they're telling how this tragedy and that it's been haunted and all this stuff and families have come and gone. He's walking around and he says, and this is the place where it happened. He goes, guys, do you hear that? And all of a sudden, over the TV, and you can see the little line going on the camera, you hear this, mm, like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, he goes, oh my gosh, guys, oh my gosh, I can feel it. I can feel it. I, I, it's cold. I'm getting really cold. I can feel it swirling all around me. Oh my goodness, guys, this is, this is amazing. They're here. It's, it's happening. And sure enough, they, they show the infrared camera. And it's really cool because you see the body heat, and it's reds and orange and stuff. And then you see this blue swirl all around the guy. And I'm like, oh my goodness. At that point, I look over to make sure the doors are locked. I flip on the lights, you know, I'm like, I get my dog over. I'm like, oh, what is going on here? And then he, he freezes there. And then all of a sudden he goes, it's gone. It's gone. Oh my goodness. That, and you know, they go on and they do their talk and they're studying their scientific equipment. He goes, we're going to see if we can make it happen again. And he walks back over to the spot and he stands there. He goes, nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden he goes, do you hear that? It's happening again. And sure enough, they go through the whole thing. And it's all happening again. But then they zoom the camera back. And I look down at the guy's feet. And in that moment, I just, I wanted to reach through the TV and just slap him. Because he's standing on an air conditioner vent. Really? We laugh, but let's be honest. A lot of times, 
that's the idea we get of the Holy Spirit. That it's some mystical force that moves in and around. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we get these goosebumps. And it's this amazing emotional thing that just overwhelms us. And it's just crazy. And, and the Holy Spirit resides in all people and through everything. And No. If, if that's your idea, I hate to break it to you, but you've been watching too much sci-fi channel, all right? Too much Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit, get this, is personal. All right, he, he is a person. You notice I keep referring to him as he, not it. All right, the Holy Spirit is not only God, he is personal. He has feelings and emotions. He demonstrates will and intelligence. And he interacts with us in, in so many amazing ways. Scripture reveals uh, the different ways he interacts with us. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that, that we can grieve the Spirit. Paul writes and says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That idea of grieving the Holy Spirit just carries with it the idea of breaking his heart. It's the same idea as, as a parent. You've got that teenager who, who grows up and, and becomes rebellious and begins to turn away from everything you've taught them and, and everything you raised them to be. And they're just ignoring you and pushing you away. And it just breaks your heart as a parent. I've seen it so many times in youth ministry. And, and that's the idea. That the Holy Spirit loves us and cares for us so much that when we begin to push him away, when we begin to ignore him and resist him and quench the Holy Spirit, that it breaks his heart because he cares about us that much. Not only that, but we can resist the Holy Spirit. Acts seven fifty one, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You see, we have control to push away the Spirit. The Spirit comes and opens our eyes to the truth and shows us what we need to know and what we need to do. But as human beings, God has given us free will and we can resist him. We can push him away and deny what he wants to do in our lives. You can quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. We looked at this a couple weeks ago with Pastor Charlie. Do not quench the Spirit. The idea that when you begin to push the Spirit away and, and push God away, that it hurts not only your own life, but it stops the Spirit's work in the life of others, in the life of our church. That you, you quench what he wants to do that you stop him from moving in our lives and from changing us and from doing amazing works. Not only that, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. He's going to know you're lying, but you can lie to him. Acts 5, 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? If you don't know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, what happened? They were a husband and wife who sold a piece of property and then decided they were going to give a portion of the proceeds from the sale to the church. And so they brought it to the, to the disciples, to the apostles and said, here it is. And, and Peter looks at him. He goes, is this all you made? And instead of just being honest, they decided to lie. And they said, no, yes, this is, this is everything. This is everything we made. And Peter looks at him. He goes, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? You see, we can come to a point in our lives where we are so far from God and we are so far from the Holy Spirit and we have blocked him out and resisted him and quenched him for so long that wrong begins to look right to us. That we can lie to ourselves and lie to the Holy Spirit. We begin to say, oh, it's, it's not that bad. It's, it's not that big a deal. We, 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 you know, it's just a small sin. We begin to lie to ourselves and lie to the Holy Spirit and deny the truth. 
You see, we can interact with the Holy Spirit in so many ways because he's personal, because he, he's God. He has that love for us. He desires a relationship with us. But what exactly does the Holy Spirit do? How exactly does he move in our lives? You see, if we were to take a look at his whole job description, whoo, it would be extensive, all right? But if I could sum it up, the Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to move in us and through us and to help us do what God has called us to do. All right, very simply put, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do what, what God has purposed for us. I love using Ephesians 2.10 with my teenagers because it's just so amazing. It just puts it out there. For we are God's masterpiece created to do good works. God says, I, I love you and I created you special and I have this amazing plan for your life. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. I created you for this and I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to help make that a reality. Just a few things that the Holy Spirit does for us. First, the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever. John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Even people who don't know Christ, who never stepped foot in church, they have this notion, they have this idea society always has of what is right and what is wrong. That is the Holy Spirit's conviction, showing them that this just doesn't work. We hear people all the time talking about the emptiness inside, that I was searching for something, that I knew I was missing out. That's the Holy Spirit's work. And that's where the Holy Spirit begins, by just convicting us and convincing us of our need for Him. The Bible says that without that, we could never come to Christ. That without God drawing us to Himself, we could never be saved. Not only does He convict the unbeliever, but He confirms our salvation. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Listen, when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, when you ask God to come into your life and change you and ask the Holy Spirit to just recreate you into a new person, uh, the Bible tells us, God's word says, it's the seal on the birth certificate that when that spirit comes, it's the official stamp of guarantee that says you are now a son and a daughter of God and everything that is God's is now yours, that you share in his inheritance. We have that spirit and he's there and we never have to doubt because he will never leave us or forsake us. He, he confirms our salvation. He teaches us the truth. John 16, 13 and 14. But when the spirit of truth comes, it's a common name used for the Holy Spirit throughout scriptures. He will guide you into all truth. He'll show you the truth. He'll open your eyes to what's really going on in your life. The world throws lies at us and the world paints a picture of the way things should be. And the Holy Spirit says, no, that is not the way God intended for things to be. No, that is not the way I desire you to live your life. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to that, shows us the truth. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit shows us the truth of his word. You know, we, we life journal at Fellowship of the Rockies and we believe it's just a huge way to connect with God. And I don't know how many times I've been life journaling and I hit a verse and I read it and I'm like, wow, 
How have I missed that? That is amazing. I begin to write about it. And, and there's just this huge truth that gets revealed to me. It's the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit revealing the truth to us. Not only does he teach us the truth, but he equips us for ministry. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at least once, twice a year, I'm sitting at home, eating junk food, watching TV, and I think to myself, man, I really need to get into shape. I really need to start working out. Normally, it's why I'm watching Biggest Loser, all right? My wife makes me watch Biggest Loser. That's, I don't know why that works like that. But I sit there, and I think, man, I, I, need, I need to go get into shape. And so I'll go start working out. And let's be honest, it usually lasts, what, a couple weeks, maybe a month. If you're really, really dedicated, you may make it, you know, two months, three months max, and then you just kind of fade. And I think, man, Biggest Loser, it works so good. It looks like so much fun. And they just, and then I thought to myself, the reason they have so much success is because they have personal trainers. They've got Bob and Julian pushing them along, leading them along, giving them all that they need to make this happen. In a lot of ways, the Holy Spirit works like that for us. In a lot of ways, the Holy Spirit works as our spiritual trainer. And he gives us exactly what we need. He gives us the encouragement. He gives us the motivation. He gives us the power and the ability to do what God has called us to do. He equips us for ministry. Listen, if you're not involved in serving in a ministry here at Fellowship of the Rockies, I'm about to blow away all your excuses, all right? Just be prepared because after I show you what the Holy Spirit has done for you, th there is no more saying I can't. There is no more saying I'm not talented enough. There is no more saying I haven't been a Christian long enough or I don't have enough time because the Holy Spirit's gonna give you everything you need. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When you accept Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you receive a power beyond anything you could ever express or describe. God comes in and he moves in your life and he gives you the ability to do things that were impossible before. He gives you this power so you, no more saying I can't because you have the Holy Spirit in you who is God himself, all powerful, all knowing, all present. Not only does he give you this power, but he gives you what we call spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to each, speaking of Christians, to every Christian, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the gift of wisdom, to another the gift of knowledge, all according to the same Spirit. All these, speaking of spiritual gifts, are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Paul is describing there for the church of Corinth. He says, listen, when you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into you and gives you this power, he gives you supernatural gifts. Now, I'm not talking about talents and abilities. He says he gives you spiritual gifts. He speaks of knowledge and wisdom. We speak of evangelism and giving and teaching. He gives you these amazing gifts so that you can serve within the church, so that you can minister to the body of Christ. And every Christian in this place, every Christian on this planet, everyone who has accepted Christ as a personal Lord and Savior has these gifts, manifestations, outward workings of the Spirit inside of us. In other words, it's His power revealed through us 
the power of God. Forget the I'm not talented enough. Forget the I haven't been a Christian long enough. God says, I'm giving you everything you need with my spirit. And then in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he shows us what happens when we surrender, when we begin to serve, when we embrace this power and these gifts. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When we finally embrace God's will for our lives, when we finally embrace the power of the spirit inside of us, this is what begins to happen in our lives. We have this new joy, this new peace. I talk to Christians all the time who are like, I just kind of feel empty. I feel like I'm kind of missing out. I'm not experiencing God. And nine times out of 10, they're not involved in the church. They're not ministering. They're not serving. They're not embracing what the Spirit wants to do in their lives. And that's why he's not real. He's trying. He's doing everything he can. But they're not experiencing this love and joy and peace because they're not experiencing the Spirit. Not only does the Spirit equip us, but he leads us. He shows us exactly where we need to be and what we need to do. Romans 8, 14 for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Galatians 5.18 But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. God shows us exactly what we need to do, when we need to do it, where we need to go, how we need to get there. He will reveal to us all of this. He will lead us. Read through Scripture. It's filled with men and women who were led by the Spirit of God to do amazing things that were so far beyond them and beyond their abilities that could only be described as God moving through them. Think of Noah and Abraham, Moses, and and in the New Testament, you think of Peter and Philip and Paul, even Jesus himself. Matthew 4.1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but one principle I live by in my life, if Jesus needed it, then I sure need it. (laughs) All right? If Jesus needed the Spirit to lead him, so do we. This next one may be my favorite one, talking about what the, what the Spirit does, and what he does for us. The Spirit intercedes for us. You see, in the book of John, Jesus uses a very interesting word uh, to describe the Holy Spirit. He uses the word paraclete. All right? And it's a Greek word, and the best English present-day modern equivalent I can give you is, is the legal idea of a defense attorney, all right? That, that's the legal, that's the idea. And, and I know some of you are scratching your heads right now. He just compared God to a defense attorney. Hey, track with me here. I know defense attorneys kind of have a bad rap when we think about them, you know, as some of these sleazy defense lawyers. But let's think about in their job description what they're supposed to be doing. Their first thing is to defend others who can't defend themselves, They act as a go-between for a party who's been accused of a crime and the legal system that wants to punish them. And they stand in the gap and they speak to the legal system for this person. They do everything possible to make sure that their client, this person they're defending, goes free. And yes, many times we look at them and we say, but this, this guy was guilty and he got off because that's part of their job is that even if the person is guilty, it's to set him free. And you know what? The Holy Spirit does exactly that for us. 
the Holy Spirit acts as this go-between between us and God, a God we can never comprehend or fully understand. And he opens our eyes to who God really is. Not, not only that, but he defends us before God. And he stands in the gap. And even when we are guilty and deserve punishment, he pleads for mercy and grace and forgiveness for us. Romans eight twenty six and 27. Likewise, it is the Spirit that helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. This acts as a go-between with groanings too deep for words. Man, when we don't even know what to say or what to do, the Holy Spirit speaks for us. He's the go-between between us and God, standing in the gap because he loves us that much, because he's personal, because he cares about us like no one else ever could. Guys, these are just the highlights. These are just a few of the things that the Spirit desires to do in our lives about how the Spirit interacts with us. We could go on and on and on. But I want to spend our last few minutes just talking about what we do with this. How do we respond to the Holy Spirit? How does our life differ because of what we know about the Holy Spirit? The first thing I want you to understand is that you have to let the Holy Spirit consume you. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Several years back, I had an abscess tooth. And it started hurting Friday about lunchtime. And being the big tough guy that I was, I'm like, oh, I'll be okay. I'll make it. No big deal. I didn't understand what it was at that time. I didn't know what was going on. I just had some tooth pain. Well, by Saturday morning, I was dying. I, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. I played sports. I've had broken noses. And, and, and I've been hitting the head with baseballs. And nothing compares to this. All right? I'm telling you, it was constant and going. And I was just dying. Problem is, on Saturday, none of the dentists are open. So I'm sitting here, I'm just like, what am I going to do? And finally, Saturday night, about 11 o'clock at night, I let my wife convince me, let's go to the ER. Let's go to the emergency room. Let's have them look at it. We don't want this to get any worse. So I go, and you know, there's, there's people with serious problems sitting there in the ER. And I walk up, and they're like, what's your problem? I'm like, I have a toothache. <laughs> I felt pretty stupid. I finally get back to see the doctor. What's your problem? I have a toothache. He just kind of looks. He's like, open, shines the light in. All right, here you go. I'm going to write you something to help with the pain. Go to a dentist Monday. So he writes me this prescription for some high-powered pain meds. All right. So I get home. I take a couple pain meds. Life is good. Now, remember, this is Saturday night. Next morning, I wake up. It's starting to hurt again. So I'm following the, the prescribed dosages and everything. So I take my pain medication again. Now, there's a reason on the bottle they say, do not operate heavy machinery, all right? Do not drive while you're on this stuff. Because I take my medicine, and then I come to church. And at that time, we were doing a youth service during the 9 o'clock, and we had all our youth in there. And let's just say, it may be one of the most interesting services we have ever had in youth ministry, all right? I am telling you, the kids still remember it to this day. They still joke about it. And to be honest, I have no recollection, really, of what went on. <laughs> Because I was just, I was consumed. I had no idea. And that's a funny story, but think about it. We've all seen 
what drugs and alcohol and all these illicit substances can do to a person. We've seen how they consume a person, how they completely take over their lives. And that by the time a person gets to the point of addiction, that they're doing things they, they never would have done normally. They're acting in ways that just are not within their personality. They're, they're not the same person. And, and it, we look at it and it's sad because it's not the same person we knew. We look at that friend or family member and we're like, man, they're so consumed by that. And you know what? God says, don't be consumed by that stuff, but be consumed in that manner, to that extent, by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit so consume you that it changes your very personality. That all of a sudden, you are doing things that you never thought possible. That you are doing things that you never thought you could do. That within your normal personality and your normal talents and abilities, you could not do. And you look back and you're like, only God. Listen, it's when the Spirit begins to consume people that that we read about them, that that they become martyrs for Christ. They're willing to give their lives for Christ. And when the Holy Spirit consumes people, it's when people are willing just to to sell everything they have and to move to a foreign country and to start churches in a foreign country to share the gospel with people who've never heard it. It was the Holy Spirit consuming a group of individuals from Houston, Texas that brought them to Pueblo, Colorado, A place where everyone said, it'll never work. It can't happen. You're going to fail miserably. And it led them to come in faith anyway and to start Fellowship of the Rockies and to change Pueblo, Colorado. It was the Holy Spirit consuming them, allowing them to do things they never thought possible. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. When you let him take control of your life, he changes everything. We need to learn to let him consume us on that level, to that depth. In scripture, we see it over and over again, where a person would be so consumed and they'd be so different that they even got a new name. That they name them because they were a completely different person now. We need to let the spirit consume us on that level. And listen, when he consumes us and when he comes in and he makes that amazing change and leads us to do things we never thought possible that are completely out of our comfort zone, then we have to learn to walk with the Spirit. It doesn't stop with just being consumed. We have to learn to continue on. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Listen, once you've been consumed by the spirit, you go to bed, you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, and you do it all over again. You let him consume you day in and day out. Because as human beings, we can't fight the flesh. We can't fight those evil desires. We can't make it happen on our own. So we have to learn to walk with the Spirit. That idea of walking with in Scripture just literally means doing life with every single day on that just base level that we understand that God is there with us. And every day we just surrender completely to the Spirit and allow Him to consume us. Allow him to take complete control. It's just part of our human nature that something is going to control us. Something is going to influence us. 
All right. We've talked about the danger of drugs and alcohol and we talk about the big sins and the black sins and, you, you know, those sins of adultery and pornography. But listen, let me tell you something. When it comes to resisting the spirit and quenching the spirit, there's some silent killers that we try to ignore, like bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, anger that we hide deep down inside that do just as much damage. And we have to learn to daily just give that to the spirit and say, God, I don't have the strength. I can't do this. I need you to walk with me. I need you to guide me. I need you to show me what you want me to do. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. But then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the first leader to go back and begin rebuilding Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. Huge, daunting task in front of him. And this is what God says to him. Not by might, nor by power. He says, listen, nothing you could do, nothing in your own strength, nothing within your level of intelligence, nothing within your degree of training, nothing within your talents is going to give you the ability to do this. Nothing on your own can pull you through. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He says, it's my Holy Spirit that's going to pull you through. It's my Holy Spirit that's going to give you victory. It's my Holy Spirit that's going to see it through to the end. Paul writes and tells us that what God has has started, he is faithful to finish. He is going to see it through with his spirit. Listen, if you get nothing else today, get this and understand this. You cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Spirit. You cannot please God on your own apart from the aid of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. We don't have the power as human beings. The flesh takes over and we fail miserably. But with God's power and with His Spirit, we can do anything. He's going to call us to do things that seem so amazing and take these giant steps of faith. We're going to look back and say, only God, only God could make that possible. So what is God telling you right now? What is he asking you to do in this moment? Maybe you've never even accepted him, that you hear about this Holy Spirit and you realize, I don't have that. I've never asked the Holy Spirit to come in my life. I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe today he's, he's telling you that that's what you need to do, that you need to accept him for the first time. Maybe you just haven't been walking with the Spirit, that all this was, you understood this and you got this, but you're not living that life. Maybe God's telling you, today is the day you let me consume you, that you surrender control to me and begin walking with the Spirit.